This is Double Strength Mama Power. It's the Stuff Podcast. We know there is loads of information out there on the internet, so that's why we've created Double Strength Mama Power, a one-stop podcast shop for you to get shareable intel on all things parenting. Proudly brought to you by Ann Mum Pedia Pro 3 Toddler Milk. And Mum, you've got this. So I think when we're talking about this, it's really important to be aware that there's no black and white information yet that says if you do this, this will happen. Um, what there is is there's studies and there's repeated studies showing that high screen use is associated with negative impacts on many areas of health. OK, Tui, I have to be honest about this. As someone who has made a living from talking to kids on the small screen, I think there is actually a place for little people learning about the world through video storytelling. Of course, Susie, and you've done a wonderful job for years helping educate us in that way. But I guess these days, children have so much access to video technology. You know, it's the screens on their phones, laptops, tablets. We just don't know what the long-term effects for them might be. That's so true. Well, Auckland mum Julie Cullen has been thinking long and hard about this. She's the founder of Sensible Screen Use and that's a group dedicated to understanding how digital technology can best be used by children to learn about the world. And she's going to share with us what she's found from the evidence available on how to strike the right balance. This is Double Strength Mama Power. Kia ora koutou. Now, the rise and rise of screen technology has indisputably changed the world we live in, both at work and at home. And while we all recognise the extraordinary advantages from being able to do your grocery shopping online to working flexibly from anywhere in the world, the disadvantages are still being calculated. For our young children, the first ever generation of digital natives in human history, what level of screen use is really safe? Paediatric physiotherapist and mother of four, Julie Cullen, believes that as parents, this is an issue we need to understand and to help shape, given the unknown future of our kids. I talked to Julie about her campaign. So Julie, what prompted you to set up Sensible Screen Use? Well, shall I tell you a little bit about Sensible Screen Use and then that will then I can tell you... Um, why, why we came about with Definitely. that. Um, so sensibleScreenuse.org is a website that we've set up as a resource for parents and teachers um, so that they can go to one place to find information on the impacts of screen use on education um, and health and wellbeing. Um, we've uh, summarised research on the topic and we've got ideas and resources for teachers on the idea of great screen use in the classroom um, as well as some strategies for parents and teachers who have concerns. Um, and I'm a paediatric physiotherapist, so part of my training has been in child development. Um, and the way I saw screens being used in schools um, just didn't quite fit with my understanding of child development. So that's why I became interested. Um, and I started to look into the research and I started to talk to other health professionals and teachers. And I found a number of people who had the same concerns, who'd noticed the same thing. So a group of us got together and started to talk about um, how we could raise awareness and um, get some conversation going about this topic. There's, there's a lot of different views um, and a lot of those views have valid points, but I think it's really important that we talk about it. What were you seeing? What were you noticing? Um, well, I think for the, the way children learn, and the way all of us learn actually, but particularly children, um, they are 
that they're, they, learn, they learn with all their senses. So children learn by looking, but also by feeling and touching and other senses. Um, and for young children, they're also concrete learners. So when they're learning to count and when they're learning to do things, they need to count on their fingers. They need to have, um, they need to hold beads and they need to see things. And the ability to abstract information is a later developmental stage, whereas screens are a very two-dimensional way of learning. So I, I didn't think it was a particularly good fit for younger children. Often game-based technology is used for teaching purposes. What concerns do you have about that? If you're looking at um, game-based learning that uses rewards such as game time or even virtual online shopping for work that children have done, or even more subtle rewards like digital bursts of sparkles and cheering when children have the right answer, um, there's a few things that concern me a little about those. One is that they use... Um, they use extrinsic rewards, they rely on external rewards um, rather than more intrinsic rewards like feeling good about learning a new skill. Um, and for teaching, intrinsic rewards are sort of more ideal, what you would, what you would want. Those game-based learning apps have been designed, there's literature showing they've been designed um, specifically to use the same physiology of digital addiction as other um, games. So that's using varied and intermittent rewards to trigger a dopamine release which compels or motivates um, the users to continue using those platforms. And I think for gaming and even gambling, some people can develop problems with that and some people don't. There are people who are more vulnerable than others, but some children will have difficulty transitioning off those platforms and some won't. So I think applying it in a blanket way to keep children busy or um, for, for everybody can be problematic. There's some children that may benefit, but there's some children who may actually be disadvantaged by those platforms. Sure. Now, you focus a lot of this on um, schools, don't you? Why is that? Well, I think clear guidelines already exist for recreational screen use for parents in New Zealand. Um, there's also some really good resources for families who are struggling. There's family media plans, and um, we've got links to those on our websites. The area where there's really very few limits, if any, in New Zealand is on-screen use in schools. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting, in the States just recently, actually, legislation has been passed that specifically refers to protecting children from harms of screens in schools, um, and that is expected to be picked up by other states. Um, I think what many parents in New Zealand may not be aware of is that New Zealand, compared to other OECD countries, actually has very high screen use in schools. So the latest OECD report said that four years ago, um, New Zealand was up in the top few countries with the highest screen use in the OECD world. But since that time, overall, other OECD countries have slightly reduced their screen use, whereas New Zealand relatively has had a huge increase in ICT use in the classroom. Um, and I think it's when we're, when we're talking about balance, it's just something to bear in mind. Now, we can all agree that technology can be a wonderful tool for educating children. But what's the research telling you? Well, firstly, we, we absolutely agree that digital technology is going to be a big part of our children's futures um, and that they will need good digital skills and an understanding of how to use technology as a tool um, to be able to have equal opportunities when they leave school. Um, and it is very much an issue of balance. But what we've found from looking at the impacts of screen use on education is that there are mixed results of um, the impacts of, of screens in the classroom. But overall, um, our findings are that um, the, the moderate use of screens in the classroom, and that's defined between different studies 
which will sound very low to New Zealanders, is around half an hour a day or a couple of sessions per week, um, that moderate use does have some positive impact on learning, including gaining digital skills. Um, but high screen use, so when you get over that amount, um, that actually has a, a detrimental effect on educational outcomes, surprisingly, including digital skills, and particularly for certain areas such as reading and mathematics. Um, and Australian research has actually just confirmed that as well, that um, looking at schools that have switched to BYOD policies um, and increased their screen use over three years, children have actually um, reduced their digital skills. So. What we're saying is that if you can make, um, if you can enhance learning and make gains to education with moderate device use, including to digital skills, um, then we think that that's what we should be aiming for, not trying to switch to a more of a screen learning model because we think it's exciting or futuristic or because it's easier for teachers or cost effective. So with BYOD, what exactly does that mean? So BYOD refers to bring your own device, um, where parents are asked to provide their child with a device to take to school for their schoolwork and usually to bring home for homework as well. So it's a personal learning device rather than the family computer. Sure. Um, and there's actually a real variation in schools in New Zealand. Some schools have bring your own device. Um, some schools actually have very moderate evidence-based use. Um, but we do have bring your own device policies and schools that are largely digital immersion even at primary level in New Zealand, um, even with one-to-one -one policies for iPads from five years old. Julie, in your view, what are the key negative impacts of excessive screen use? So I think when we're talking about this, it's really important to be aware that there's no black and white information yet that says, if you do this, this will happen. Um, what there is is there's studies and there's repeated studies showing that high screen use is associated with negative impacts on health in many areas of health. Um, and some of that may be because of the direct screen use or the way we're using screens um, or what that screen use is displacing. Um, but there's, there's a number of risks. There's risks to physical health um, such as headaches, um, back and neck pain, um, issues to our sleep, obesity, um, hearing loss from using headphones associated with devices is fairly clear now, and um, vision pathologies, um, which is actually quite, that, that probably deserves a bit of a special mention. Myopia, which is short-sightedness, has just exploded in our population. Australian research shows that um, myopia has more than doubled in our young people. And what's interesting about that is talking to optometrists and ophthalmologists, that's not their concern so much. Their, their concern isn't so much little children running around in glasses. Um, what's concerning is that when you bring forward myopia, you can bring forward some of the more serious sight pathologies that follow myopia, such as retinal detachment, myopic macular degeneration and glaucoma that can cause permanent vision loss. And those conditions are being seen in New Zealand children, um, as well as that dry eye diseases on the rise in young people. And um, there is concern, and certainly more research is needed in all these areas, but about the impact of the blue light that's emitted from devices, um, which penetrates to the back of our retina, and lab studies show that does cause retinal damage. Um, but for children and adolescents, they haven't yet developed the pigments in their retina that offer more protection that adults have. So all of the, the re more research is needed there, but um, the good thing is if we're aware of those risks, we can take some steps to, to lower them. And there's a very interesting study um, on smartphone use for teenagers who previously haven't had smartphones who then get one and go on to have heavy use, they are developing symptoms of attention deficit disorder that they didn't previously have. So that is a more of a cause and effect um, 
issue. There's also issues to social and emotional development, um, such as um, development of empathy, facial recognition. Um, there's issues with inappropriate content access. My goodness, the risks are huge, aren't they? There's a number of risks, and certainly they all need more research. And I think that's why in the States, in Maryland, that's been the first state recently that has specifically passed legislation protecting children from the harms of screen use in the classroom. And other states are expected to pick that up. But that's actually not just because of the well-documented risks to health. It's also because the device manufacturers themselves have clearly identified hazards and they have clear health and safety guidelines on how to reduce the risk of injury. And um, WorkSafe in New Zealand offers some protection to adults in their workplace, but there's, there's, that's not offered for children. Um, and over there, um, it's become a legal issue. Um, the, the schools are largely unaware of the device manufacturer's guidelines and generally they're not following those guidelines at all. So it's, it's a legal issue because schools are legally responsible for the health and safety of students in their care. Okay, what about time on screen versus content on screen? Um, I think that's a really important question. Um, I think there's a clear view in education that the time you spend on screens, extremes aside, um, isn't important. It's the content that matters. And that is true to a point. The screen content is really important. So for a child researching the history of a country, that's probably going to have different impacts than scrolling through YouTube videos. But some of those risks are more about the total time spent on screens or the way we're using the screens and what that's displacing, um, such as risks to vision um, and, and other risks as well. And I think um, when we, if, we're saying, if we're making comments like extremes aside, we actually need to start asking questions about what extremes look like and what balance looks like. And I think we need to ask questions like, is it okay for our teenagers to be on screens for eight, nine, ten hours a day? Because if, kids are, if teenagers are doing most of their schoolwork on a screen, plus a couple of hours of homework before they even begin on recreational screen use, um, those numbers are not uncommon. And similarly for primary school students, um, if primary school students are doing most or even half of their schoolwork on a screen, plus some homework before they even begin on the recre recreational screen use, that's adding up to hours and hours and hours a day of screen use. And I think that that's something we need to talk about. I think it's really problematic for schools to say, we're going to do whatever we like and it's up to parents to provide balance when parents are saying we're struggling to get our children off screens um, and when schools are saying, can you bring it, give your child a personal device and take it home to work on. I think um, that actually schools and communities need to work together and it's something we, we really need to have a conversation about. We used to battle and it was a constant argument every day and I just felt like all I was doing was shouting with them, whereas it's it's the way they communicate with their friends. It's like he'll the, Connor will have like his you know his friends live on screen and they'll be chatting as they're gaming. We need to monitor it and we need to be there for him, but it's about guiding him as well. I don't want to be actually... I don't think he's going to learn if we're there for every single moment to monitor it. I think we're there to make sure that he only has access to certain sites. He can't, you know, like, um, download any new games that he wants or he can't buy anything without actually structuring there. So I think that we're there to support him and to guide him, but not actually to regulate him in regards to you should be doing this and you should be doing that. I think that that's why he's learning and as long as he's still performing and he's a happy, go lucky boy, then we're happy. 
Ah, yes, Minecraft. Mind you, my son has now downloaded the sheet music and is starting to learn it himself on the piano. So there are some upsides to the screen. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's about, you know, use it for what it is, Mm. have a bit of escapism, whatever it is that you get out of the screen time, and then back to real life. And if you've still got such a fascination and an interest with it, yes, apply it to something that you're doing and passionate about in real life, like for your son, music. That's fantastic. But that's actually quite a mature response. Mm. And so you're going to have to rely as a parent on Mm. your own ability to keep an eye on things and encourage that in your child, aren't you? That's true. Absolutely. Now, um, Julie had some fantastic resources on her website. Mm -hmm. So that website address again, please go and have a look at it. It's sensiblescreenuse.org. And um, yeah, some great tips, not just for schools, but also for parents. Mm. One thing I found really interesting lately, Tui, is that the number of people that are using their screens differently with their toddlers, they're using it for their audio only. So they are listening to their favourite programmes and stories and things like that, Mm. but without the screen on. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It certainly is. And I tell you what, I was so thrilled the other day to meet a young mum who used to watch me when she was little. Mm -hmm. And her children now know me, not actually physically or or, um, visually, Mm -hmm. but they recognised my voice because they're listening to you and me in Susie's world without the screen on, but just the audio. Fantastic. So I sang, it's our time, (laughs) kia ora, talofa, and their eyes lit up. And oh, that's that lady. I know her. That's awesome. Mm, Wonderful connection. I love that. One day you'll miss it, you know. The early morning wake-ups and jumping into bed snuggles. The bath times and bed times and story reading routine. The meal times and wipe-ups and general racket of a busy house. So enjoy it while it lasts. And Ann Mum Pedia Pro 3 will be right there with you. Ann Mum, you've got this. We live in a world that is connected 24-7, where we carry devices in our bag, our hand, our pockets. Wherever we are, there too is our device. Just because we can connect anytime though, doesn't mean we should. But we do. We can't help it. It's addictive. It feeds us. It fuels us. And why is that? Well, let's pause here for a moment to get under the surface of those blue screens, our computers, tablets, smartphones. The most common reason we as adults turn to our devices is social media. In New Zealand, 3.5 million Kiwis are active social media users and we spend an average of one hour and 53 minutes per day on social media. That's on top of daily TV viewing time, which is an average of two hours and 48 minutes. What return is social media giving us for this investment of our precious time? What is it giving us? Let's explore this for a minute. Take a moment, wherever you are, unless you're listening to this while you're driving, of course, to close your eyes. Take a deep inhale breath in through your nose and then sigh the breath away. You're not hooked up to social media right now. You're here in your body, using your senses, listening, connecting to your body and in a minute to your heart. Continue breathing steadily as you imagine yourself logging on to a social network site. What are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Now bring your attention down toward your chest 
As you inhale and your lungs expand, they become a pillow for your heart, cushioning it, protecting it. Visualize that strong but soft heart and ask it now, what is it I yearn for when I use social media? What is it that I want to feel? Allow the answer to drop in, to land gently in your heart. Feel that yearning in your body and let it teach your mind because addiction happens in the brain and the brain always obeys the heart. With your heart, tell your brain, I want to feel and then finish the sentence with your yearning. Do this now. Most people turn to social media for connection, community, a sense of significance and belonging, to be part of something. People are driven by a fear of scarcity, a fear of missing out. Are those reasons close to yours? If so, take some time later today to reflect on how real is the connection you're getting. How genuine is the sense of belonging you get via a piece of hardware? Consider the connection you get when you exchange a smile, a touch, share time and space with someone in real life. Whether your yearning was for connection or something else, how might you fulfill your heartfelt desire in ways other than through hours per day on a device? Your time is precious. Guard your time fiercely. Be generous with it, but be intentional about it. It's important that we do have our phones with us, but as you talk about in, in your mindful moment, Tui, being aware of what we're using it for, or how mm. we're using it, why are we on mm. social media? What are we wanting from it? Mm. And even beyond social media, I mean, that mindful moment was about that. But, you know, when you open that laptop and maybe your kids are around, okay, fine, I do that too. But open it and be very clear, I need to spend 10 minutes checking some emails or getting something away to someone and then I'm going to close it down again. You know, it's just having that mindfulness and intentionality around it. So I'm going to use my device and this is what I'm going to use it for and then I'm going to put it away. Mm. Well, let's go to social media because work will sometimes dictate your hours. Yes. And you just have to do it. But when you look at social media and the hours that can be spent there and mm. look, hands up, yes, I have flicked and, and all the rest of it and watched the little videos and so mm. on. When you think about what it is that you're looking for, is it that escapism, like a movie or a book, mm. um, but what are you missing from that connection? The emotion mm. that Julie mentioned earlier, mm. you know, we're having kids coming through that have no concept of emotion mm. and being um, empathetic. Absolutely. Because you'd think, well, hang on, there's some gorgeous wee things on, on screen, mm. but it's that inability to actually connect and have facial recognition and things like that. Yeah, and I, th I think the other thing about social media versus, as you say, you know, movies or, or anything else is that there's no end to it. So you can watch a movie for escapism mm. and it will come to an end and then you turn it off. With social media, it, that feed oh. is never ending. Yeah. You could scroll and scroll and scroll all day long. Mm, you're so right. But everything does come to an end, doesn't it? 
does too. Like this episode of <laughs> Double Strength Mama Power. But hey, guess what? We have some great news. We've got a real treat for next time. The fabulous mama and grandmama extraordinaire, Michelle Accord, will be joining us in the studio. Awesome. That will be an absolute treat. Almost finishing where we started with our first interview with her. So right. I'll look forward to that. Mm. Remember when you used to leave your house with just a wallet? Now it's nappies, blankie, teddy, books and two changes of clothes. You didn't even need this much luggage when you did your OE. With no added sugars and Mumpedia Pro 3 toddler milk is one less thing to worry about. We know, because we're parents too. Double Strength Mama Power is a stuffed podcast made in commercial collaboration with the Mumpedia Pro 3 toddler milk.